Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Soul Path Podcast. Your host Marco here, and this one is a firecracker. I had an absolute blast with Dr. Ryan Westrom. He's an author of the Psychedelics Integration Handbook. His work has a lot to do with not only psychedelic integration, but also the integration of sexual experiences, sexual traumas. And so he spoke about that bridge quite a bit. I'll leave it for the show. I won't tell you much more than that. What I will say is when I was going through to do the edits, the thing that I loved about this episode was that it was absolutely loaded with quality. He was dropping gems the whole way through. When I was doing the post-review edits, I was stopping about every minute because I found some kind of treasure. There was some highlight that I wanted to extract for a reel or, or a quote card or something like that. So I had a great time with him. We had a fantastic conversation and I know you guys will love it. Check it out. Let me know what you think in the comments. Thank you so much for joining the call, Doctor. Marco, it's a pleasure and I'm deeply honored to be here. Thank you. We just started off with something that's pretty interesting to me and felt really alive just before we started recording. So I'd love to take it off from there. You spoke to, you know, integration of like these um, psychedelic experiences, but then you also spoke about the importance of integration as a sense of our whole life. Could you draw that distinction? Because I haven't heard anyone speak about it in, in that way before. Yeah, I think it's a very important conversation that we need to be having right now. Integration with plant medicines is vital, and I will talk until I'm blue in the face about that. However, what we need to do is we need to talk about living our real life. And what I like to analogize that by is having one foot in and one foot out. So people exploring the medicine work and working with compounds, it's um, by nature that we start to integrate these experiences. However, if we're not already accustomed to that, if we're not integrating how we're eating or if we're not integrating how we're sleeping or if we're not integrating how we're interacting with other human beings, they're missing a large aspect that could benefit them. And when I talk about living an integrated real life or a holistic life, it's making it your own. So what that means to you as an individual, I can't prescribe anything. What I could do is suggest hey, what are you doing to be uh, living a holistic viewpoint, right? How are, they, how are the tethers mm. within their life? So w- would you have some, I guess, generic questions? Like, like if a client came to you for, for like a fir- the very first session and you, you would start having that conversation with them, some general questions that, that you'd ask that the listeners could just consider for themselves? Without a doubt. The first and foremost is how certain they are with what they're living. And I love to talk about certainty. Mm. And so one of the quickest generic questions I ask the people is, are they aware of their physical body, emotional mind, and their heart, right? In their heart with your emotion and then their cognition. And if they're unlocking all three of those together, there's a unison, there's an integration, right? And we all talk in this world and um, without belaboring the mind, body, and spirit to, to have them integrated. And if yep. they're not in sync with that or certain of that decision, then we have an entry point because maybe they're very comfortable in their mind and they're very Mm -hmm. cognitive, but they avoid what's coming up intuitively in their hearts. Got it. So then we have a starting point, right? We have a starting point of what might need to be brought into the conversation. Oh, Mm -hmm. they're living the classic conversation. Marco would be, they're living outside their body. They're not living an embodied experience. And so we, then we have benchmarks. Another question that's very um, common asked of people looking to help integrate is what are they doing to practically integrate? 
So not only are, what are they doing internally within their body, what, what are they doing externally outside their body to practically integrate? And I'm not saying, oh, are you hitting the 30-minute meditation mark every day? Yeah. Are you hitting a yoga class every day? But what are you doing to participate within the world and not avoiding it, right? Or not trying to disassociate. I really mm -hmm. want to check in with people to see if they're participating in the world or if they're finding themselves kind of disassociating from the external world. Yeah, that gives it. me a benchmark. And when you speak about people participating in the world, and I'm just putting myself in, in that position, thinking back like some time ago when I was early on in this journey, for me, for a little while, like it didn't make sense to be around the world. I found that there was a real richness and a real substance that I get from pretty much like extracting myself from the world, being in nature, um, spending a lot of time out there. So I'm curious, like th that uh, question of how they're participating in the world, is there like certain things that you look for or how would one distinguish? So uh, what I'm asking is if I was in my position where, you know, I was, I was extracting myself from the world for a little while, spending a lot of time in nature. And I heard you say that, that might spark curiosity and might have me question what I'm doing and whether or not it's the healthiest or uh, whether there's a better way to go about it. So how you like offer someone distinctions around that? That, that you bring up um, living in the world could be exactly what you said. So I actually got really enthusiastic listening to you talk about how you went off on your own into nature. So it's really removing the judgment. And what I want to do is got talk it. about the difference between a label that people are seeing in our culture or one's culture and their assigned meaning, right? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes what I like to say is a knife is a knife, right? A knife can cut a piece of fruit, make a beautiful meal, yeah. but it also could be used as a murder weapon. Yeah. And what the, the dilemma is, is what's your assigned meaning to that? So if we're mm -hmm. talking about how we're gonna live in the world and now we're translating it back to how we're integrating in the world, well, what does that mean to you, right? What does that mean to you and how does that work for you? If that well, works for you, then I want you to do it. If it means going into a hermitage and doing a session for seven days in silence, that's you integrating in the world. Mm -hmm. For another person, it might mean that they need to hit up a large metropolis in a city that it gives them a reconnection to people. Yeah. Really substantial, but it's it's often subjective. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So it's more so about like the richness and the quality of life that it's allowing us to experience, rather than uh, versus some form of like escapism or running away. Yeah, and that would be that question of are you escaping or what is the ultimate purpose? I believe all behavior has purpose. Mm -hmm. And Marco, if you can look at that instinctually and say, okay, what's my behavior? Yeah. Right. What's the purpose of this behavior? And if it's yeah. serving you or if it's engaging you into transformation, then it's at least a step forward. Mm. Beautiful. And that's where it's helpful. Something that you mentioned in the initial e email that you were curious to speak about, which I love because there's two topics that, that came up. We'll, we'll start with the first one, which was around sexuality and, and sexual health within all of this. And I'm totally curious. Like, I just want you to go for it. What, themes within that subject are important for you right now that you'd love to bring forward because no one's spoken about it on, on this podcast so far so i'd love to hear what you got so um my intersection just to delineate and kind of uh talk about my profession is i'm a sexual therapist that mm -hmm. works with sexual addiction sexual trauma sexual authenticity transformation within sexuality as well as a psychedelic integration therapist and they crossroads are really enmeshed in what I'm finding in psychedelic integration 
is a lot of sexual trauma, a lot of sexual expression, a lot of sexual kind of authenticity is coming out. And you asked, what are my main pillars? Right now, it's about sexual transformation with authenticity of how they're identifying within their sexual fluidity, both gender identity as well as sexual orientation. Yep. And then also, um, I work with a lot of people integrating, um, and it's not just men, it's both men and women identified with addiction to sexuality or sexual trauma. Mm. And they, they go hand in hand with a lot of plant medicines being able to extract some insights. And with this um, conversation, it gives them a benefit to know that they're okay. Mm -hmm. Sexuality is so filled with taboos. Yeah. And it gives a really open space to speak about what they authentically want, where they can go with it, how they can have a safe place to process it. Mm -hmm. And in the end, ultimately, I'm trying to build the transparency of, hey, this is what I'm trying to be. This is who I'm trying to be. And many times integrating those psychedelic experiences are um, benchmarks or gateways to saying, hey, this is who I really want to identify as. This yeah. is what sexual trauma I experience. And there becomes a really beautiful um, cultivation of conversation. I'm curious for people that are listening that like this is resonating with because they might be healing certain past experiences or traumas within that like subject field, obviously reaching out to you and working with you directly is one way. For someone who maybe like financially might not be in a position to afford like one-on-one -on -one sessions or something like that, I know you mentioned you have a book. Is that around this subject or is there other resources that you could just give like two or three high value resources that someone could check out at a low cost option? Yeah, I love that. I think um, finances are important to be aware of. Uh, my book, The Psychedelic Integration Handbook, is a guide on how to integrate your life with plant medicines and living your life in accordance with integrative lifestyles. Mm -hmm. I believe finding groups finding like-minded people, finding communities, and most importantly, finding consensual places that you know you're safe. I analogize it with a story that people need to know that it's not what's coming out of their mouth that's mm -hmm. judged, it's the community that they're sharing it within. So the number one pillar that I ask if people can't do one-on-one -on -one sessions with a therapist or groups for that matter, or workshops, that they find communities that they feel safe within. The second thing that's super important is there's resources that um, you have to make sure when you're on the internet or when you're working within that aren't driven by that idea of monetary engagement, right? And I, yeah. I as a doctor of clinical psychology and sex therapy, my invitation is to make sure people's relationships feel safe. So not everyone's gonna feel comfortable working with me, and I'm assuming it's the same for you, Marco, yeah. is people might not resonate with our personalities. Mm -hmm. And so the second thing is, is not only safety, number one, but the um, relationship. Do you feel safe with the person? And yeah. that transcends money, that transcends any kind of financial obligation. The third is being your own advocate, right? Finding advocacy and what fits well with you. Many people know that they're inclined to working one-on-one, -on -one, and many people know that they benefit more from the communal aspect, the mm -hmm. more opportunity to talk amongst groups and only go as far as you want. The last thing I'll say mm -hmm. is you have consent, 
not to be forced to talk about any subject matter that does not feel congruent to you. Use your intuition to know what feels right to be shared. I like that a lot, which actually brings me to a topic that's been pretty uh, present in my field recently of clients that I've been working with, even with a few friends where I've had conversations with them around boundaries and how to set those and how to be firm with them and how to like stay very self-affirmed in them if someone does try to cross them when they've made them really clear, even just with things like, like conversation and things like that. So I'd love if you could just like go a little deeper on that, especially given the work that you do within sexual trauma and all that. I'd imagine it's a very important topic, something that uh, a lot of people would have to cultivate as they learn about themselves. You're right. You're right. And I want to start with what you said at the end of that statement, which is it's a cultivation practice. I don't believe we're taught boundaries. I believe a lot of families, and this is a generalized statement and I'm well aware of it and it, it might sound overly generalized, but boundaries are established through learning through experiences. And oftentimes it's too late the boundary has been crossed and then you go, Oh wow, that didn't feel right. Yeah. And so especially working with sexual trauma and um, exploration with psychedelic medicines is what we need to talk about is the idea of what is consensual, what is prudent in your, what I call autonomous companionship. Everyone wants to be individuals, but they also want companionship. So then you add to that compassionate boundaries I talk about how do you be autonomous and independent and have compassion for yourself first, mm. then say, by having compassion for myself, this is my line. This is my request. And one of the real fundamental skills I ask of people, I break it down, is what is your need that you can take care of yourself? And yes. anything that you're unable to take care of what is then your external request of a companion, of a partner, of a friend, of a business associate, of a colleague? So we start internally again. What is my need? Mm -hmm. And can I do it, right? If it's cold, can I put a jacket on? Or immediately do I need to request that? So understanding it's a spectrum of what's within your wheelhouse. Yeah. And then it, it breeds empowerment, Marco. You're breeding, you're instinctually building boundaries compassion for self and then empowerment yeah all the while still requesting things that you know are out of your context yeah and a lot of the feedback i've received recently from the people that, that i've worked with around it had the conversations and i've been like you know, just start doing this you know start having these conversations where they're important to have them i've also noticed you know themes of like self-confidence and personal power as well um yeah. and for a lot of people being surprised at how quickly they can feel a sense of personal power when they do that yeah and that that's been, that's been really, really rich for, for me just to witness do you just, find just out of curiosity yeah. do you find people apprehensive because they think they're being too controlling or too demanding um if they take that new role of empowerment and boundary setting do they do you ever see people get a little um confused that they feel maybe pushy or maybe too aggressive with their boundary well, what I've noticed with, with these few very recent conversations, I'm talking like the last week and a half, two weeks, mm -hmm. there's been three or four occasions that I can think of immediately. It's been more so wanting to be nice rather than asking for what they need. And then out of the niceness, in a way, giving their, their power away, right. what's really important to them. And then the moment they had the boundary crossed one too many times where they were like, you know what? I don't want to be nice anymore. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm taken care of. 
and, and then in do, doing that, it just like balanced, balanced things out for them. And they got that sense of self-empowerment. They were like, wow, it wasn't that bad. I guess unconsciously there probably was something there around not wanting to be overly demanding. Right. And it's that delivery, right? The delivery of being able to suggest, Hey, I'm selling um, this idea that I really want and to have a cultivated conversation with a beloved partner or a friend in and of itself should feel safe. And so again, it's going back Mm -hmm. to that safety of saying, Hey, if I need something, I'm really requesting it from someone that I, I genuinely feel comfortable around. Mm-hmm. which is a great starting point for boundaries as well. I want to end with that point is knowing that you can participate with setting boundaries with people you intrinsically already know feel safe. Yeah. I'd love to shift gears into this second conversation that now that you mentioned, and I love this as well, because again, it's a conversation that hasn't been brought forward yet on this podcast. That was parenting within people going through these transformational experiences and supporting integration. So I'd love for, you know, could you give us like, the 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 broad scale view and and then uh, I'll fire away with some questions. Sure. So um, to give context, I believe uh, what I'm really alluding to is psychedelic parenting, and I don't mean that teaching your kids how to use drugs or to advocate. What I'm really speaking about again is a carryover of how to live a lifestyle that might have been bred through adult real prudent psychedelic work or plant medicine work. And then all you have is these amazing new gifts that were taught to through the plants Mm -hmm. and you want to then extend them to your children. So a lot of them could be identified and I'm well aware of this through the Dharma talks of the Buddhists, right? Right speech, right mind conversations in Mm -hmm. just developing all these bodhisattva techniques I'm talking about then also showcasing to children in the right age that there's nothing to be alarmed at. We're in a culture right now that's blowing up and exposing the healing components of plants. So it's in conjunction with telling them, hey, these are right ways to live your life in accordance to the earth, in accordance to plants, in accordance to others. Mm. In my family, that's what we're doing. We're extending conversations of both within sexuality and psychedelics, how to be able to not be afraid of these conversations, how to be able to live in accordance with them. Is part of that covered in your book as well? That's accurate. Yeah. So at the end of it, we talk about different chapters of integration and maps of consciousness, maps of exploration. I speak directly in regards to how you can then speak about it with different levels, right? You're going to speak differently to a four-year-old than you would a 14-year-old. You're going to speak differently from a 14-year-old's perspective to a 21-year-old's perspective. And it's all evolving, right? You're making it to the point of a conversation that also lets the child guide you. Mm -hmm. One of the most fundamental things is we as adults think we know it all. And I'll be the first one to tell you I know nothing. And if I listen and start to seek understanding, Mm. Children will give me answers that really open up my perspective because they're in the cutting edge of curiosity, of excitement, of wonderment, and on censorship. They'll ask the questions and be like, oh, right? Yeah. Why is a mushroom that's been growing for thousands and thousands of years illegal? Ooh. Uh, yeah, uh, and it, it, puts you in, it puts you back when you get that question from a young a young child. Yeah, I'm curious. A thought that just crossed my mind while you were speaking about parent, like psychedelic parenting, 
is if I was a parent that had a child that was going through, you know, these experiences of like large transformation and I've got no personal experience, say for example, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a parent, I've got a child that's going through, through, through these transformational experiences. I know nothing about it. It's like speaking a different language to me. Would that be an effective like starting block for me to gain a little more understanding and how to like be a better parent to support my child? Yeah, so I want to make sure I'm translating this correctly, that the parent had never had transformational experiences with plant mm -hmm. medicines, and yeah. the child is exploring that. Yeah, and then, and then for the parent, out of the interest of being the best parent that they can, would that be an effective way to go about it? I, I would caution that. I would um, backpedal, and there's many different starting blocks before um, diving okay. into um, actively participating with the uh, No, I, I was refer referring to your book, sorry. Uh, yep, saying, yep, yeah, 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 the book, yeah. right, yeah, the book is great, cool. so without being sticky, <laughs> and this, we'll, we'll edit, right, this is, this is where the book is actually, the book is designed for many different people, people seeking understanding, um, people seeking support, and people seeking uh, the active integration process, it's mm. broken into a historical representation of the integration work, the psychedelic work, and transformational work, both on a spiritual level as well as a psychedelic level, mm. on a scientific level as well as a real life level. So it's quadrant based. We talk about bringing it into the new century. Mm -hmm. We're talking about all these different elements. So if you have a child that's doing this, this book uh, is an unbelievable resource to get information, not just on the medicines, but on the way people are living. Yeah. Right? You know, without. Uh, having a context, you start to see why they have these philosophical perspectives, these scientific inquiries, and you're not going to shame them. You're going to explore curiosity with them. Mm. Thank you for that clarification. I appreciate Beautiful. it. Yeah, that was of course. Helpful. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm curious. Uh, we've kind of covered a few pretty interesting topics and very interesting to me because, like I said, they've, they've never been on this show so far. But I'm curious, is there anything that's sparked interest that you'd love to speak about so far or anything that you feel is important to mention that we haven't? Uh, my thing that I would really like to encourage is the prudent advocacy of knowing as much as I am an advocate for psychedelic research, psychedelic exploration, mm -hmm. and even recreational use of psychedelics is knowing, is it right for you? And the latest is the influx of popularity that these medicines have evoked with people. Mm. They are diving quicker than I think they need to be. I think there's an advocacy I have to speak to people that explore this work. I think there's an advocacy to do more research. There's never not enough research to be done for yourself. Yep. And being transparent with people in this lineage of work because at the end of the day, some of the biggest tragedies I've seen are people going into it blindly without mm -hmm. enough resources, without enough backing, without enough background. Yep. So when they come out of it, they're able to integrate, they're able to get back to reality. And it's important, Marco, to talk about just making sure ruling out everything before they take huge ayahuasca ceremony or before they ingest psilocybin. They're life-altering transformations. Yeah, I'm glad you raised that. And 
I feel it is super important, a large part of you know, why I felt inspired to you know, bring this podcast forward because that conversa- this conversation of integration really begins with what you just alluded to, the preparation, right? the research, right. knowing what we're really doing. And of course, there's an element of when we never really know because it's tapping into the unknown. But there is a lot of effective research that can be done to give ourselves foundations of understanding so that we can move through that experience more effectively. And something that speaks really true in a few situations where I've worked with clients that have gone through a little too deep too soon, that once it's done, it can't be undone. Right? Right. So you, you can't undrink medicine. Mm-hmm. And so there is a big responsibility that comes with it as well when we take our life into our own hands like that. And so I'm really glad you brought that up. But you spoke about like not going into a blind. What would be some effective things that someone could do? Like if a friend just told them about this or they've just watched the documentary and they're like, I want to go find someone in the jungles or like I want to fly somewhere. Or maybe even that they just hear about it through like a local community. What would be an effective way for them to not go into a blind and some important pillars to ensure that they have in place before they even considered taking that step? The first and foremost is to make sure they're not doing it because they think they have to, right? So the question of the day is, do they have to do it? Are they doing it for exploration purposes? Are they doing it for mental health purposes? Are they at their... um, In any form of desperation, I intrinsically ask people to start exploring some more moderate ways of getting um, fundamentally grounded within the context of Mm -hmm. deciding to do it or not. The second thing is making sure, is their body prepared? Are they being honest with the people they're talking about? Oftentimes, I hear stories of people wanting to do this and they're leaving out some information. They're omitting details of their life. Right. And what then can happen is that can be exacerbated in ceremony or in the experience. Yeah. So making sure you're transparently honest with yourself and honest with the people you're engaging the inquiry with, because Mm -hmm. those hidden secrets or those omissions can manifest in many different ways and I specifically want to delineate for a second and that's the context of suicide. I've witnessed many of my clients omit talking about their suicidal ideations Mm -hmm. only to be profoundly faced with it in sessions and in spirit and it's very very hard to integrate that experience. Mm. Okay so regurgitating do I need to do it? Am I being honest with myself, others? And ultimately, is my body ready for it? As you have said, you can't undo this. Yeah. And do I have the appropriate measures at the end of the experience lined up? Questions that also are arised is, do I even know what I'm going into? I use the analogy of a house. Have I gone through the windows? Have I gone through the doors? Have I gone through the basement? Mm-hmm. To come at it from different viewpoints. Using the house as an analogy, I love people to do that. Go in through the basement and see what it's like to come up from the darkness. Yeah. Because there is shadow, right? Come in through the side window. Go, go, go at it differently. Look at it from all, all different corners. Yeah, that's nice. In the instance of someone that's listening, that's like, 
I, I really wish I heard that a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a year ago, before I like rushed into something. Yeah. What encouragement would you have for them? That they're going to be okay with the appropriate people of finding someone that's compassionate, mm -hmm. non-judgmental, and open to their story. Mm -hmm. One of the things that people come back, and I haven't met them until after, and I get many of those phone calls. They've come back from the jungle, and they've come back from a different experience. And they're attempting to integrate something that they didn't think was going to be maybe, quote unquote, as profound as it became. I first and foremost, give them permission to talk about it as if it's, it is real. So let them talk about it as if it's real. Yeah. Don't shut them down and say, oh, the worst case scenario is they think it was a dream or they think it was a figment of the imagination or if it was just an experience. This is an expression of real life. And for people that are looking for a support staff or a supportive friend or a loved one, it's vital to meet them where they're at. Yeah. Meet the person where they're at so they don't feel shame. They don't feel guilty. They don't start to ruminate on what is real and what is not. And that is yeah. really the starting point. So find someone that they can have these effective and open conversations with that will yeah. just meet, meet them where, the, where it's at where they're at and then yeah. following that up is then we can start getting into after that bedrock is built then you can start going okay let's explore with you know more left brain experiences more right brain activities more more artistic creative things do you need to get into the earth i had a profound i don't speak about my clients i only talk a lot about my own experiences for confidential purposes but mm -hmm. i had a most profound psilocybin experience where i felt like i was the compost of soil and the only way I could integrate something as profound as that was getting my hands dirty back in the soil. <laughs> so like literally lying within the ground. And if it was as simple as that, but there was no judgment, no one was judging me that I was trying to integrate what was the extension of that practice. Yeah. A question that I've asked quite a few times, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it, is, is there such a thing as doing too much of this work? And if there is, what would be some of the warning signs or like the flag posts to realign someone? Fantastic question, Marco. First and foremost, there is too much of doing this work, I think. I do mm -hmm. believe that there is a limitation. And Alan Watts has, you know, proverbially said, if you've got the answer, hang up the phone, right? And for me, it's also such as someone to say, you still need to know your telephone number. If people start to experience the world of, hey, I need to go into it and use plant medicines or psychedelic experiences for their answer, and they're mm -hmm. avoiding other tools in their tool belt, or they're differentiating psychedelic medicines on a hierarchical level than meditation, say, or eating healthy, those are telltale signs. Those are warning signs to me that they might be revering it a mm. little too much or for lack of better terms, Marco, leaning on it too much. Yeah. Again, I qualify this by saying I'm an advocate for all this work, but there is a level of abuse and there is a level of neglecting your own personal body. Sure. A, a guidepost for me that starts to recognize we're using it too much is there's no integration in between that uh, they haven't digested it and you and i have um 
a fondness for gardening and composting. Mm -hmm. And I use worms as an example of that. Worms can only digest so much compost at one time. And if they have no food, they'll go otherwhere. They'll go to another place to get that food. Yeah. But if they have plenty of food to be digesting, they don't need to process anymore. Mm. And they'll process just what they need. And with psychedelic work, it's the same thing. I ask many of my clients, have you sufficiently processed what happened last time? Mm. Not that I'm the gatekeeper by no means, but are we processing what we had as the profound experience six months ago? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's a very important question. I'm glad you raised it. That experience of like leaning on, on them or on a, like that can be a very subtle thing. It can seem like a good thing on the surface, but then uh, asking ourselves that question of, am I leaning on it? Am I waiting for this so then I, then I can live my life and then I can make decisions for my life and do whatever I need to do? Like that's really, really important on integration and on self-empowerment, which we touched on earlier. Uh, I feel it's a very, very valid and valuable seed to plant for all the listeners where uh, you're just asking that question of if I never went into another ceremony again, would I be okay? Well, and I, you know, I want to dovetail off of that because I yeah. love what you just said about the empowerment and would I be okay? At the end of the day, I, I'm not a, a futuristic mind reader. I haven't died and come back from real life, but here's the deal. Are we dying with the idea that we think we're going to have plant medicines in the afterlife or have the luxury of Adolf Huxley getting LSD administered to us on our deathbed. Many of us won't have that privilege. Mm -hmm. And what I really am advocating for is the purity of body, right? Mm -hmm. And again, not to be completely um, stoic to the ideas of plant medicines being supportive, but ultimately if we are really working on our vessel, this skin encapsulated ego, mm -hmm. we're attempting to transition, be it if you believe in the pearly gates of heaven or reincarnation or whatever your trip is yeah we don't necessarily have the ability to lean on these medicines after this mm. we don't know if they're going to exist or if we're just energy or what so i want to teach people to prepare for death in the most purest manner yeah. i believe these plant medicines are expressions of practice for that reason not the way to get there something else that i found really really valuable and it's come up a few times just in private conversations, more so than, more so than on this podcast, you know, in situations where there's been maybe a little too much leaning on these experiences, leaning on anything as a means of self-transformation, taking an honest look at like the basics. And you kind of touched on this when you said, you know, is the body healthy and ready for it? Making sure that there's like a regular exercise practice, good clean food is being eaten and that that's daily self-care is there. I found those profound things, one, for the integration, but two, also for if someone then does go back, having taken care of themselves more, it does something in the relationship to these transformational experiences that I can't quite put words to, but it enhances them in a beautiful way. Oh, without a doubt. And have you found that living in accordance to that has given you more kind of nuanced learning experience as well, though? not only profound, but just even just the littlest nuances because you're so attuned to what you're putting in your body. Yeah, what you're doing abso absolutely. Like, I didn't mean like profound in like a mind-blowing yeah. way. I, I mean profound yeah. in, in the subtlest of ways. Right. And the elementary idea is solved for complex problems, right? Yeah, totally. And for me personally, I can only comment is that 
Like it's just been a journey of personal integrity. The more integrity I have with the way I walk my day, day to day, meaning like, am I hydrated? Like for, for me, health is a number one priority. So am I hydrated? Am I, uh, am I meditating? Am I training? Am, am I eat, eating the right foods? I do intermittent fasting as well. So those are like my five things for my health that if I'm doing them really good, like I feel so alive that like I'm good. I'm just in a constant state of, of pretty much learning in a constant state of um, you know, positive vitality. And it, no matter what life throws at me, I seem to be able to meet it in, in a nice way. But then if, if I am in a good sense of like momentum on a personal level like that, when I have gone and spent, spent time in a transformational experience for myself, there's been so many subtle insights and teachings. And I found just being able to hold myself has been a lot easier just to sit there and to just be present with it and, and just really own the experience. But then also found that the integration, there's almost like a less of a need for integration because there's so much more presence in the actual experience that, that a lot of the learnings can be transmitted easier. For, for yeah, like, it becomes normality for you. It becomes normality for the individual that they've been practicing it at such a level that it's second nature. I also, what I'm hearing from you that I really want to highlight that I love is the idea that it doesn't need to be this like existential experience. Mm. And that's the same with psychedelics. Oftentimes we're not, we're not aware that it's so profoundly simple and people are grasping at these mind boggling desires for more answers. Mm. I argue what I'm hearing you also say is finding contentment, finding peace finding harmony within simplicity rather than trying to make it more complex. Like yeah. how many times do you need to see the Jaguar eat your head off in an ayahuasca <laughs> experience to know that you're still alive. Right? right. I mean, and I've had people say that they go, I just, and I question that because then it looks like they're the hungry ghost trying to grapple with something. Mm -hmm. What are they, what are they not doing on this beautiful earth? Yeah. What are we missing? I love yeah. what you're saying. Fantastic. I appreciate that question. What I found for myself was some of the most insightful moments was when I connected with some elders that like walked a really old lineage and a very disciplined lineage. And it was just so simple with them. I remember at one point, like I'll just share this personal experience because it was quite profound for me. It was, I stopped asking questions altogether. And then things <laughs> just seemed to start making sense. Right. Right. And at that point I was like, man, that's so, like, why did it take so long? Yeah, stop asking questions. Fantastic. It's such yeah. a great perspective. Which is kind of ironic because here I am on this podcast asking questions. Right. But yeah, but that's searching and ad ad advocating for philosophical ideas and moving forward. Of course. In our, in our lovely culture, it's, it's seeking information and also disseminating it for people, letting people understand it. What I love also, too, is it's the idea of sometimes I, I use the analogy of turning the volume down on the TV and mm. just watching it, right, for people to actually experience what they need to integrate. It's not necessarily what's coming out of people's mouths, it's but what they're witnessing in the act of people's behaviors yeah. through silence. So we, we've covered quite a lot, Dr. Ryan. Um, I'm curious, like I'm gonna open that same question up again. Is there anything else that you feel that's uh, really valuable or important to speak to? Anything that's sparked interest as far as the conversation goes? The idea that we need to treat others with the idea of what we're seeking and not judging. One of the most opportune moments I've ever had is 
not trying to find just the communities where we can banter back and forth mm -hmm. with similar ideas, but challenging one another to go out and seek understanding rather than shame, rather than, you know, divisive violence and arguments. Find the factual evidence and then explore those feelings with psychedelics or with any integration. It's challenging your ability to meet one another and not necessarily think that we're all going to have like-minded ideas, yeah. but give the opportunity in a safe environment without judgment to say, hey, what, where did you get that idea? How did it come about? Mm -hmm. And remove the whys. One of the things that I love to talk about and I would love your thoughts on it is the why people get really tied up with. And by getting the why, sometimes we forget what the hows, the wheres, where these people came from, what their story was to be able to start behaving like that. We don't know. But if you yeah. ask that question, what would, what would change? For me, it's pretty resonant to like a, a lot of the work that I do with clients in transformation. It's more about that, more about asking those questions because my journey started off with holistic health coaching, right? So there was this whole idea of something holistic. And as time's gone on and I've learned more about life, learned more about myself, that uh, coaching practice has evolved. And so a lot of it now is, you know, really about understanding someone's story in order to effectively work with anyone in any capacity. Like I see a massive need for, well, this person's who they are today based off everything they've lived up, to, up until this point. So if I sit here and question them why, I'm blind to like their whole journey and everything that, that they've walked up until now. And right. where I feel like there's an unconscious maybe conditioning or programming to, towards steering towards asking why in the modern day society and just having the immediacy of answers. In my experience, it's not the true substance of what's going on. We can maybe reveal a few things, but like really dialing in on someone's journey and understanding their path. Yeah, it puts them on defense, me. don't they? Yeah, it puts them on yeah. the defense right away. And it, it, especially because of the wheelhouse, I, I look in the scope of sexuality as well as the idea of what could be trauma or authenticity, immediately they're then shamed, judged, and even persecuted for something that might have been a violation of theirs that yeah. they didn't ask for. And yeah. so giving the hows, the whats, and the wheres can really explore a, a much more gentle perspective of engaging conversation. Yeah, definitely. We never know what the question of why can bring up for someone unconsciously and neither do they because it's unconscious. Much more effective ways in dialogue and conversation and um, looking at things from, from that bigger perspective and, and asking those soft and gentle questions. It's definitely been the thing that this helped, helped me out a lot. I wouldn't go into, into examples, but there's a few that, that come to mind where people that I've worked with have had a lot of occasions where they've been asked why and no one's actually asked them about their journey. And then that just opened up all the emotions and allowed them to express things and all this repressed stuff that they couldn't access because it was just the wrong question. You know, I was trying to hit it from like one angle rather than the thing that was right in front of their nose, which is, well, tell me who you really are and the life that right. you really lived. Yeah, it's yeah. quite beautiful to be able to do that. It breaks down boundaries and barriers. Fantastic, fantastic conversation. I'm deeply appreciative of the invitation. Yeah, likewise, it's, it's been a thrill. Like it's been very inspiring. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm curious, do you have a copy of your book there so that we can take a look at what it looks like? Yeah, definitely. Um, right now, it's in, the, it's in the infancy stage. It's self-published. It's called cool. The Psychedelic Integration Handbook. It's uh, myself and my colleague. And yep. we, um, we're in the process of putting it on a digital platform right now. It's only um, hardcover. 
but um, you know, adventing and reconstructing and starting something new uh, manifest like we always say it's transformational is it available for, for sale at the moment yep it's available on amazon so you can go on amazon and i have um i have seen it sold um all across the world thus far um there might be different restrictions depending on what country people are living in but for the most part i've seen it um accessible and mm -hmm. would be deeply honored and appreciative uh, of that it will help guide you. It's both interactive and historical. And so I've got all your website, your social media links. I'll put that in the show notes. Do you want to offer anything in the way of a closing statement for people that are on this path? Just something simple to, to leave them with? What would that be? The thing I would really at this moment offer is having people be gentle with themselves. It's one thing to, as we are all seekers, we are all looking for transformation and understanding and clarity of what maybe our biographical history was. Mm -hmm. This whole entire journey of exploration needs to be met with gentleness of self. Yeah. It's hard enough. People are hard enough on everybody else and yourself included. We just have to do the kind work on ourselves to be able to open up to these profound experiences. Dr. Ryan, thank you so much. Thoroughly appreciated this. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, thank you, Marco. I appreciate it. All right, guys, that's episode two all done. Like I said, loaded with gems in this conversation with Dr. Ryan Westrom. And I absolutely love his compassionate, gentle-natured approach towards all of this work and also the very well-rounded way that he considers things. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you know someone that can benefit from this, please share it with them. I'd love to spread the word about this podcast and I'll see you on the next one.